Hello, 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 and welcome to episode four. College football playoff recap, end of the season NFL awards, predictions. Fofo, how are you doing today? I am doing good, Maine. How are you doing today? You know, we're doing good, man. It's football Monday. Uh, no NFL on the Monday night, but we did get the national title game, man. And I got to say... Is it, uh, is it safe to say uh, you're doing a little bit better than TCU? I, I am recovering a little bit as a uh, as a TCU fan this season. I will say that, you know, I had to had to swallow that frog today, man. It was, it was a tough scoreline. Terrible. Dude, was that was that the was that the most one sided national championship game that you can recall? Absolutely. That was bad. That was terrible. And I think it only made Michigan look that much worse today, right? What do you think? I think Michigan's a big loser. I would say so. I also, you know, think that this the biggest winner of today, other than Georgia, is definitely Alabama, because I think we all realize that we should have had Bama in there. Uh not the fraudulent frogs of TCU. And thankfully, that's probably the last time to be in there. So we can move on to uh, to bigger schools. Well, again, USC could have been here. They dropped the ball, lost to Utah in a neutral site game, which had more USC fans, actually. The game was in Vegas, uh, the, Nash, uh, the Pac-12 title game. And yeah, you know, it was just one of those seasons, man, where I really think it was plain and obvious that Georgia was the better team from week one. They proved it again today. Hell of a season. Absolutely, man. I absolutely agree with you. I do think uh, the right team won. I don't know if there is any team that that beats Georgia uh, with how good they looked and uh, Stetson Bennett getting yet another national title. Uh, you know, for a, for a 20, 24, 25-year-old, I believe he is, uh, looks like the, uh, the NFL may be the future for him. What do you think? I'm going to be contrarian. I don't think this guy makes it in the NFL. I don't even think he'd be drafted. Uh, really, just don't see it there. Again, I think this is my hot take. Maybe it's not that hot of a take. But Stetson Bennett, to me, reminds you Matt Leiner. Yeah, you're going to look great when you have better players at every position than every team you face. Tell me where I'm wrong. No, I completely agree with you. I haven't heard a ton of uh, Stetson Bennett draft talk up until recently. and um, I definitely think he's being talked about as a uh, as a you know second day pick um I, I think they realize how much talent is on that georgia team surrounding him right and uh you know it, it doesn't help and this kind of goes back to back in the day with brandon whedon uh i i don't see the appeal of drafting an older quarterback it's a valuable time that you're losing out on them that you could be in the nfl i'd much rather a situation where i have a Jameis winston or a lamar jackson coming out uh into the league a little bit younger, going to have a couple years of development, but much rather that than coming in, coming out at 20, 25 years old, or in this case, I believe it was 29 years old, and needing to adapt to the NFL speed. I just don't get it. Yes. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think what I will give Stetson Bennett is he won back-to-back national titles. Heck of an accomplishment, even though we had the better team. But I think it, it at least kind of goes to show that maybe he is a little bit better than Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, that was a miraculous story. He came out of nowhere towards the end of the season. You know, just caught the fire. Ohio State. Caught fire for the Buckeyes. And uh, took away a national title from my, my best friend, Marcus Mariota, didn't they? Yes, yes, they did. I do remember Cardell, man. I, I think uh, the Chargers took a little bit of a chance on him. I think it was a, 
either an undrafted free agent contract or three. But uh, yeah, he he definitely didn't pan out. Uh, that once again goes back to just because you're a great college quarterback doesn't mean it's going to translate to the pros. Um, there's been countless examples of that throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I think sports media is so quick to criticize people that can't transition into the pros. And it's like, it's two different things. Uh, there's a lot of things going on at the collegiate level that can set you up for success that when you go into a business or an organization like the NFL, you're not going to be set up uh, for success in a lot of those situations. Well, I think one of the key things to talk about today, it seems that the quarterback talent is better than it's ever been, which again leads to higher expectations than they've ever been, which also leads to a shorter leash than they've ever had, right? So I think people forget, but Peyton Manning struggled his rookie year. Troy Aikman struggled his rookie year. Rodgers couldn't see the field for the first three or four years. I mean, some people just take time to develop. Even Josh Allen took a few years, right? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And uh, sometimes the best thing you can do is uh, is sit on the bench. You, you know, interesting little take here, but look at uh, Geno Smith was asked to start coming out right away, uh, right, right away onto the Jets. And, uh, you know, look at him 10 years later being able to now be nominated for comeback player of the year in a lot of people's eyes and being able to resurrect his career and lead his team to the playoffs and break a franchise's all-time passing record. It's absolutely crazy. Um, And it's just another reason why you got to love football. It's a Cinderella story for the ages, man. A Cinderella story for the ages. And that might actually be a great transition. Let's start off with some end-of-the-season NFL rewards recap. I believe that the format that we would like to go with is we want to dive deep into the rookie of the year. We want to touch on the coach of the year. We want to talk about the comeback player of the year. We want to do the offensive and defensive players of the year. And we'll end with the uh, MVP as well. So yeah, man. Uh, which of those you think we're you got a? Do you have a rookie that you can think of right now, man? Yeah, I think I think starting off with the rookie of the year is only right, especially coming off through that uh, that national title game tonight. Um, yeah, my rookie of the year, I I kind of was between a couple of people on this one, and uh, the the general consensus that I seem to see is, is Kenneth Walker, um, but my rookie of the year that I don't think gets any love, and I can't believe it is Garrett Wilson uh, out of Ohio state for the New York jets. You say, wow, but let's keep in mind. He put he he has 1100 receiving yards with perhaps the, probably the worst quarter room in the NFL, Uh, at least the most inconsistent. Um, You've also got his drop rate. He he drops 3% of the balls thrown his way, which is actually up there with some of the most elite talent in the NFL. Uh, and a 50% catch rate, which that's including DBs covering him. So if you throw the ball his way, it's there's a chance he's coming. He's gonna get it. Uh, and also, the sky's the ceiling with this guy. You gotta look at who was throwing him the ball this year, and he's doing this with, you know, Joe Flacco and Mike White and Zach Wilson. Not necessarily gunslingers by any stretch. So that that's he's gonna get Garrett Wilson is gonna get my rookie of the year award. What about you? Wow, that's very interesting. I also went wide receiver. 
it's an offense that broke my heart week after week after week. It's the New Orleans Saints wide receiver Chris Olave. All right, his stat line for the year, 72 grabs, 1,042 yards receiving, four touchdowns. Listen to this. He only had a 4.2% drop rate, a 60.5% catch rate as well. Look at the stats that I was looking at. I mean, also talk about lack of quarterback play all year round, right? I think Alave. Very true. Alave also, he just went off. He had some games that were really good. Um, I will say it seems like I, I just think he looked better as well from the eye test. When he was open, he was open. I don't think uh, New Orleans passed enough this year. Um, it seems like they'd rather have Mark Ingram run out of bounds uh, before the first down line and, uh, <laughs> you know, leading to that Tom Brady comeback win, which led to the Buccaneers to make the playoffs. But that's, you know, going off on a on a different pathway. But, yeah, I think I've got to give it to Chris Olave. I think that's a great pick, man. I think I think we both went and thought kind of in the same realm of uh, not necessarily the flashy out there i think we can both agree when you look at plays and you look at excitement uh it it, kenneth walker definitely brought that for the seattle seahawks offense this season there's no doubt about that but in terms of making the most of the situation around you i don't know how you don't give it to either chris olave or garrett wilson it's just I, i don't get it completely agree i do think that i'm sure that the betting uh favorite so far is kenneth walker I have no qualms with him winning it. I just think that it's hard to give an award that's a season-long award with a a player that didn't even play the first quarter of the season, right? Absolutely agree, man. As somebody who drafted him in fantasy, it would have been very helpful for him to be doing this all year long. I'll do that much. Uh, Can you please uh, repeat that, man? Your mic was going out a little bit. Oh, yes, yeah. I just said... uh, as somebody who had him in fantasy, it definitely would have been helpful if we had been able to have him from the beginning of the season. Yes. Yes, that's a good point. But, yeah. Uh, you want to go on to the next award? Yeah, man. So, uh, after Rookie of the Year, I think it's only fitting that we go into Coach of the Year, man. Uh, for your Coach of the Year, who did you select and why? All right. I... It was a it was a toss up, all right. I know we mentioned these coaches in the previous few podcasts. It was um, I would give the honorable mention for me for Mike Tomlin. Ending nine and eight was fantastic. Uh, I will say Coach Dan Campbell is an, a third option, right? So I'd put him behind Mike Tomlin, and I think my clear consensus winner, which might have a bit of a bias, you know, if we we think about the uh, the coach great Doug Peterson, but it's got to be Doug Peterson, man. Won the game the other night, got them into the playoffs, first year. He's captained the ship very well this year, man. I, I can't say enough, winning the division his first year. What do you think? I absolutely love that pick. I I ranked mine. It's interesting that you had three coaches listed because I did the exact same thing, man. I had third. I actually had your number one in Doug Peterson. I tried not to get a little bit biased there because I am a huge fan of his. And what he has done for that organization is just incredible. In one year, making, picking up the mess that was Urban Meyer's uh, roster and the, the disaster that he he caused that team. Uh, my number two is actually giving a shout-out to a man that I don't think is appreciated enough after the season that he has had or after as, as he has coached is Pete Carroll. 
I think that's uh, what he's doing. If I gave you, if I gave 31 other coaches in the NFL that roster, I'm not sure that he's there in the playoffs. I really don't. And that's just a credit to how good Pete Carroll is. My coach of the year, and, and this pains me a little bit because I'm not a massive fan of this team, nor am I a coach. I have to give it to Nick Sirianni. He led the Eagles to an 8-0 start to start their year. Uh, they finished 14-3, and and they're currently the one seed. Um, they're doing it with – he's doing it with Jalen Hurts, which I know it's the consensus right now, man, Jalen Hurts is so good. But that wasn't the consensus heading into uh, this season. Uh, I think there was more of a consensus, is he going to keep the job? Are they going to move on to, you know, Gardner Minshew? Are they going to go in a different direction? So I got to give him credit for doing a lot with, in my opinion, is very little. Uh, His offense is very unpredictable. He calls a great game. And uh, I just, I have to look past, you know, my biases and my two, two of my favorite coaches. And I've got to give it to Nick Sirianni of the Eagles. That's a great take. Uh, I do think that Nick Sirianni is actually also the betting favorite to win that award. Uh, I can see him winning it. I, I do think it's also hard not to give it to the coach that won the most games in his conference. So, yeah, you know, there is something to be said about that. But, yeah, we'll transition into the next award. The next award that I want to get into, I think we should go into the Comeback Player of the Year award. Do you have a person? Who is it? and why yeah so comeback player of the year is usually an uh award typically associated with injury right like we see that very often it's a guy that suffers a debilitating injury and works his way back you get your alex smiths you get your your guys like that where they come back and they try to you know they they try to be what they once were I, i took a completely different direction i think a lot of people are this year I don't know how you don't give it to Geno Smith. Uh, over 4,000 yards passing. He led them to a 9-8 record in a playoff. And then on top of it, he – and I know it's a 17-game season, but he's the all-time Seattle Seahawks single-season passing leader now. That is absolutely insane. So I had to, I had to give it to Geno Smith. And, uh, you know, I'm not writing him off anymore, man. I'll tell you that much. Uh, what, what about you, man? Who did you go with for your comeback player of the year? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I actually also had Geno Smith, man. Wow. So, you know, I won't elaborate too much on it from the analytics because I do think you covered a lot of my reasoning as well. I think it's just plain and simple as far as um, a close second for me was Christian McCaffrey. However, I think he's always, uh, especially the recent couple of years. I think he's had higher expectations than Gino has. I think Gino just came in with little to no expectations. And I think the fact that he surpassed all of them and got the team into the playoffs, it's just remarkable, right? I don't know what I would have, uh, what odds I would have needed to take to place money on at the beginning of the season to get Gino to make this, uh, the playoffs with Seattle, right? <laughs> and so, man, I, I think this is just one of those things we reflect on many years down the line. And and think of the year that Geno Smith got the, the Seahawks to the playoffs. What do you think? I think I think that pretty much sums it up, right? Uh, he, he He's had a Cinderella season. Uh, he went from a guy that was, you know, known for his coin toss ability, <laughs> more so than anything else over the past few years, 
outdoing the incumbent quarterback for Seattle that's been leading them to uh, Super Bowl appearances. And <laughs> it's, it's extremely crazy when you put it in that perspective. And, you know, the, the, the reemergence of a backup, we really don't see that too much in the NFL. And so when it happens, you really got to appreciate it. And I think that's why we both had him as our comeback player of the year. Absolutely, man. I mean, this isn't even a comeback. This is coming back from the dead back. <laughs> right? Like This was on six feet in the grave, uh, <laughs> reaching out with my hand, man, calling for help. That That's crazy. Yes, this was the ghost of Geno Smith from his West Virginia days where he was a remarkable talent, dominating college football as one of the best top quarterbacks. This is this was the, that Geno, right? Hey, hey, hey. If you're going to bring up that West Virginia squad, I just got to shout out Tavon Austin, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, dude was absolutely nasty at West Virginia. I just had to give him some love. You had to give him some love. All right. Well, that's fine. Okay, what do you think uh, about diving into, let's go defense first, all right? We typically don't talk about the defense enough, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are also fed up with uh, us not talking about the defense, right? Do you have a defensive right, player right. of the year award, and who do you have, and why do you have him? Yeah, so defensive player of the year, man, I, I don't really know how you would go with anybody other than uh, Nick Bosa. Uh, I He's leading the Niners defense, which arguably is probably the scariest in the NFL at this point. Um, he has 18 and a half sacks on the year. Uh, he, he's unguardable. I mean, truthfully, it, you can't put a single body on him. It, he's coming through. So uh, Nick Bosa gets my pick. It's, uh, I, I, I mean, it's absolutely one-sided on the betting line. I believe he's a minus 750. So I, I think everyone kind of has this view of this. But who you man, or if you have a different take on this award, but uh, who'd you uh, take for your defensive player? Completely agree. I agree. There I think we go. It's a unanimous, unanimous pick. Uh, we didn't talk about these players uh, before this, so otherwise we would have taken different picks and and we'd be able to ramble on uh, about why we think what we think. But no, I I would have to give it to Nick Bosa. I think just the eye test. He really has looked dominant all year for San Fran, and it's great because he's been healthy for ninety percent of the season. Yes, yes, it's good to see. And that nine, and, the, and what we're not, what we're forgetting too, man, is uh, that Niners defense is still getting healthy, right? So, the, the, just how good they've looked throughout the year. I mean, that hasn't even been them at a hundred percent. It's going to be very interesting to see how dominant that this Niners defense has come playoff time. Obviously, starting with this week against Seattle. Yeah, it's remarkable, man. Uh, what a year for them. I think we should dive into the offensive player of the year award which may or may not be giving insight into who we think is the MVP, just because I think the MVP has unanimously turned into an Offensive Player of the Year award, right? Uh, predominantly a quarterback award. Uh, I would like to go first on this one. Please. And I just, I think the, the numbers, it's hard to argue against these. I don't necessarily like this quarterback that much, but unanimous, I think it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. 67% completion percentage, lost his Lamborghini in uh, Tyreek Hill. Still actually was the only quarterback to put up over 5,200 yards, or over 5,000 in general this season, which used to be a norm. And uh, 41 touchdowns to only 12 interceptions was remarkable. 105 quarterback rating, hell of a year for Patrick Mahomes. And 
being able to win that many games in the AFC. Who'd you have? Well, man, uh, we actually disagree, believe it or not. I I understand the Mahomes take. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely looked at that. But Offensive Player of the Year for me is the way I treat it is it's not the MVP. It's a, an offensive weapon or an offensive playmaker that with that without that that team is completely different and it's easy to take the quarterback but I went a little bit different on this one uh I went ahead and took for my offensive player I went up to Minnesota and I grabbed Justin Jefferson uh I think the man is absolutely unstoppable you look at him this year he's a huge reason for the why the Vikings have had the success that they've had I don't know how you cover this man uh, looking at his stats, I mean, it's absolutely insane. He he's, he has 1,800 receiving yards on the year, uh, and he had seven games over 130 yards and three games over 150 yards, including a massive game where he had over 220 receiving yards. I just, you know, touchdowns a little bit light. I believe he had eight. Um, but that said, you know, they're double-teaming him. He's freeing up other players, which is why the Vikings have had such offensive success with scoring touchdowns is – he's able to drag two defenders with him, right? So got to go with Justin Jefferson on this one, man. I, I truly think that he deserves this award. That was a great take. You know, I, I do think he single-handedly, literally, with this one-hand catch, stole the Buffalo Bills game as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, uh, my goodness. Do not remind me about that game, man. Yes, you lost some money on that game, didn't you, man? Lost quite a bit of money on that game, Yes. You know, it, it happens sometimes, man. That's what we call a bad beat in the the betting world, right? How do you turn it over at the one-yard line, though, man? Come on. Yeah, you know, ask that uh, Russell Wilson and, you know, Coach Pete and big boys, right? So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Looks like we got a listener in here. Uh, T, his name is Color Mikaki. Hey, hey, how's it going, man? Um uh, We'd like to. Oh, looks like he just left. <laughs> he, he left before we could invite him to speak, right? Which is always great. Hey, that's all right, man. If anyone wants to jump in, you're always welcome to jump in on these. Uh, we love to get different takes, different opinions, um, and we love. Hey, come chat it up for. You know, jump in, jump in here for 15 seconds. You want to jump in and uh, jump in for 15 minutes? It's totally up to you. Come kick it. Come talk with us. Come discuss your sports hot takes. That's what this is about. Uh, building a community of sports fans right so um let me let me go ahead man so uh we've covered both the offensive and defensive so i guess that is going to leave us with our uh, mvp award am i correct on that that is uh correct yes correct the mvp is the only one left well brother i think you kind of tipped your hand with who you were going to take uh a little bit earlier today or a little bit earlier on the pod but uh who are you who's your uh, mvp i have to give it to Mahomes, man it's it was his year. Uh, great year. Lost the Lamborghini and still got it done. Um, remarkable year for him, actually. What do you think? No, I completely agree with you. I, I also picked Patrick Mahomes for the MVP. I couldn't give it, not give him the offensive and not give him the MVP award. It would be absolutely ridiculous uh, to, to not give him one or the other. So had to roll with MVP. I think uh, as much as I am not a fan of this player, uh, I do believe – You've got to respect greatness. The dude has played fantastic this year. Um, you, you think there'd be a little bit of a drop-off losing the Lamborghini, Tyreek Hill, uh, and there wasn't. Uh, he, he's really just kept it rolling. 
that whole offense has kept it moving, and uh, it's a huge reason why they're probably they're, they're the they're the favorite coming out of the AFC this year uh, to head to the Super Bowl. So, completely agree with you on that one. Man. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I don't see Kansas City uh, making it that far, but that's you know for a later episode, <laughs> as we like to talk about. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think uh, we kind of flew through our uh, flew through our end of season NFL awards pretty quickly. You know, we planned on uh, having this go a little bit longer with the hoping that we could discuss the college football game uh, in some detail. But my goodness, there was not a lot there for us to uh, to discuss. You know, uh, absolute blowout from start to finish, and uh, yeah, did it was a little disappointing, don't you think? It was disappointing, but at the end of the day, this is why you play the game, right? I think very few people had Georgia by 52, but if they did and they were able to bet this alternate spread, I'm sure they made out really well. Uh, I think we should just transition into a topic we typically don't get into, but we should. I mean, the Cardinals fired a coach today, the Coach Kingsbury. I really believe that he was one of the reasons that Kyler Murray looked so good. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of coach steps in, man. Do you have a coach or what's your take from this? Yeah, man. So I was thinking about this earlier today. I knew we would discuss it on the pod tonight. And uh, man, I think it just shows you how badly the Arizona Cardinals are mismanaged. Uh, I believe Kingsbury just signed, if I'm not mistaken, a four-year extension uh, earlier this season. The decision-making there is just crazy to me. Um, They clearly weren't committed to him but yet we're committed to him in the same breath, right? Because you could use the excuse of Kyler getting hurt to bring him back one more year. I think if you're going to make a move like this, there has to be somebody that you're prepared to go after. And and I think the Cardinals have kind of put themselves in a situation where it has to be a big name, right? You can't go ahead and go get just a uh, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator from some team that's relatively unknown um, because it's just going to show a complete misunderstanding of the process and, and just a complete butchering of the process. Uh, so uh, did you did you think Cliff Kingsbury was a good coach? And, uh, you know, did you like him in college? I liked him in college, but it doesn't mean I'd like him as a coach, right? He still wasn't a winning coach in college. I think he's just one of those people that got the job because he's a good-looking dude. He's charismatic. That's just my hot take. But, you know, I think... I just don't know if this is an attractive job. I really can't think of a good coach. I completely coach that agree with in. that. I, I completely agree. You're handcuffed to Kyler Murray, who has shown himself to be a little bit of a diva in brief NFL stay. Um, I, I got to give you that, man. I think that's a really interesting angle. I don't think this job's attractive. So unless you're going to shell out even more money uh, that you've just wasted on re-signing Cliff Kingsbury as well, it, it just doesn't make sense. I think they're going to have a, a, a lot of decisions to make. And if this is their culture of just constantly firing coaches, let's not forget uh, Steve Wilkes was fired from there uh, right before after one year. It's just a constant revolving door in Arizona. And uh, they're going to need to get someone and they're going to need to commit to someone. So it will be interesting to see who that someone is. Now, the early rumors, man, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. This kind of broke over the last few hours. Apparently, the front runner to land the job is Vance Joseph, which is absolutely mind-blowing. 
What are you, do you have any thoughts on that man from his, uh, his run in Denver? <laughs> I mean, a defensive guy? Uh, I don't know if that's ideal, but I, I mean, a lot of Kyler Murray's playbooks, it's, here, Kyler, here's the ball, go out and make it happen, right? Uh, maybe that's what Kyler needs. He needs a defense. That's not a bad take, right? If you can if you can get a defensive mind in there rather than these overly creative schemes with Kingsbury, I do think there's a, there's a lot of potential there to potentially hope, help the offense out, right? Yes. And, hey, um, uh, actually, not to cut yeah. you off, hello, we got a listener coming in. CG Rookie 28, how's it going? Um, I just like to read this, always on duty. Why so many questions do you want to eat? Dogs, Braves, Titans. I'm sure you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan, it seems like. Uh, feel free to comment away. We can invite you to speak as well if you'd like, man. Uh, step onto the platform. We love talking. And uh, always ready to have some listeners in here, man. I believe that his uh, his cover photo, Fofo, is this a wrestler? Is that Arn Anderson? Can you take Dude, a look at this? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Arn, man. That is Arn Anderson. Yeah, double A. We're wow. some uh, we're some closet wrestling fans, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. If you want to jump in, feel free to give us a comment or uh, just let us know, man. We'll we'd love to get some hot takes from anyone who's listening right now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, about going back to the, uh, the the Cliff Kingsbury thing, I just wanted to uh, just wanted to finish up my thoughts on that and just say that. You know, he didn't win at the college level. He didn't win at the pro level. There's a chance that he's going to have, you know, he's young enough. He's going to have another opportunity in the league at some point. Uh, But he's probably going to go get a college job somewhere for a while and live off that Arizona money for for the time being. You know, I've got a weird gut feeling. I think actually this is maybe me putting it out there. I don't know if this will happen. I think Coach Rivera gets let go. And Coach Rivera, Ron Rivera from the Washington Commanders, takes this job and is able to turn around the Arizona Cardinals. This looks like a Ron Rivera project, doesn't it? That's actually crazy that you bring that up. Uh, I believe it's rumored to be on the hot seat, which I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I definitely didn't early on in the season, man. That team was playing for him, especially last year. There was quite two Watch this guy continually fumble situations with quarterbacks. I'm just saying. You know, wait. Also, let's just transition just because we got to find. We finally have another Titans fan in the pod. Man, do you think Vrabel leaves? Yes or no? Was it a disappointing year for Tennessee? Yeah, man. I would say uh, I, personally, I do believe that uh, Vrabel. I, I wouldn't. I believe those rumors wouldn't have leaked if he isn't going to leave. Um, I do believe that there is some interest, especially with him. I think he wants to get out of Tennessee. He just watched the GM that brought him in get fired midseason. I think that tells you a lot. If I saw you get fired off this podcast, I would be very <laughs> upset as well and probably be looking for other podcast opportunities elsewhere, That's right? Fair. So that, That's fair. It, it's definitely a, a take. I think, I think that it's going to be a both parties are kind of ready to move on, man. Do you, uh, do you see it the same way? Definitely. I just, I think it's hard because Rabel never got a top tier quarterback, right? So I don't know. I feel like if I'm Rabel, you kind of almost want to double down and see if you can get the offense right. That's fair, man. But he he clearly believed in Tannehill. He chained himself to Tannehill, right? 
where that he was going to live or die with Tannehill, and it did not work out. I don't think that Tannehill is the guy there going forward. I would have a hard time believing he returns. I think there's probably a bigger chance Taylor Lewan comes back, which isn't saying much. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I don't see it personally. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I do think there's something to be said about his loyalty to Winnehill. has to do with Ryan Winnehill, if uh, memory serves me correct, was actually the guy to dethrone Tom Brady and sent him packing to your Buccaneers, man. So you might want to give him some respect and some love. Oh, man, come on now. You know I'm a big, big Vrabel fan. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like Vrabel a lot. I just I think he's got that mentality of being able to really – I could see him thriving as a college coach, man. You get him one of those Midwestern jobs, man, where you get those big O linemen and, you know, the running backs. Uh, that's that's going to be where I could see him. I literally could see him taking over Wisconsin tomorrow and nobody would bat an eye. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That's fair. That's fine. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I really think that was it. Um, I can't think of any other topics that we need to touch on or need to hit on for this episode, man. Do you have anything? No, man. I think, uh, you know, once again, an uneventful night with college football. I think that, uh, you know, we're obviously going to be, uh, be coming back with some uh, some major college – sorry, some major NFL uh, wildcard weekend predictions here. Um, and yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered everything with the coaches and anything that's kind of developed over the day. So, uh, yeah, man, if, if you're uh, ready to sign off, man, it's been a hell of a podcast. It has. I think the only final, uh, just so we can end on a positive note, I think for the tough season that Nathaniel Hackett had coaching the Broncos, man, there are rumors that Lafleur might bring him back. And, uh, I think that's kind of cool, man. Bringing the bad back together. Yes. He's going to return and his best friend, Aaron Rodgers will not be there. <laughs> that also might be difficult for Coach Hackett. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how he works with Jordan Love. I think that's going to be a big, uh, a big uh, offseason storyline. But uh, yeah, man, I think uh, I think this is a good point, a good place to yeah. uh, to leave off for the night. And uh, you know, we are going to be coming back uh, here with a with another episode uh, in a couple days, and definitely hope we can get people to uh, to jump in and give us their hot takes and let us know what's going on in the sports world. Yes, it turns out that Coach Hackett just couldn't hack it. <laughs> I feel like you've been saying that, man. You know, I have I, been. You're talking about you. You did bring up not being able to hack it. You know, not being able to cut it right. And I guess one could probably contribute that to maybe <laughs> Jay Cutler not being able to cut it in Chicago as wow. a quarterback. I had to get the reference in, man. I had to smoke say, it. Hey. Smoking Jay Cutler. I had to. I had yes. to. You know, hopefully one day we can get a, a sponsorship for a cigar or a cigarette or something just for smoking Jay Cutler. And the amount of references we could get out of that. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I do have one more question before we sign off on the Of day. course. I think this I think this is a uh, this is kind of a question, but of all the available jobs right now, coaching wise, and I'm gonna throw the Panthers in there as well, just because they're on the interim title. What do you see if you're if you're a head coach, Goggin, what is the job that's drawing you into it? And each one I, I do wanna say, I think it's easy. Oh, it's just you know, Denver gives you Russell Wilson right out of the gate. Houston gives you some draft picks and a lot of cap. You know, there's a lot of there's there's you know there's different avenues here. The Colts, man, you're getting a top three running back in football. There are positives to these teams. Which one? Uh, which one would you say is your most attractive job as of tonight? That's fair. I think I might be a little biased, right, for all of our Houston Texans fans. 
it's got to be that Texans job. The cap space, the running back, the young pieces. The, I mean, the, also, you have a very winnable division. That's important to have, man. I don't think the Denver Broncos job is as appealing. you got to go through Kansas City, man. You're not going to win that division. I agree with you on that. Uh, the Denver job, to me, is is not that attractive. Uh, you, mainly because of the division alone. You've already stated that. But I don't want to play Mahomes twice a year. I don't want to play the Chargers. I don't want to play even the Raiders twice a year. Um, maybe not so worried about them as of now, but that's not a great seller team for your for your division. It's still a team that can upset you on any given week. Uh, I would also agree with that. I do believe that the Texans job is by far the most attractive. You have cap space, you have young talent, and you have a lot of draft picks. Um, so I'm going to give you that as well. I think uh, I, I think we're on the same page there. It'll be interesting to see if there's any developments uh, in, the, in, in if there's any other coaches fired. To be honest, we're coming up on. Uh, Usually the day that it occurs uh, is today slash tomorrow, right? So we should be probably getting some more coaches uh, fired here over the next 24 hours. You know what, man? There is one topic I want to end on. Yeah, let's do it. How good is Coach Kirby Smart? Do you think he's – how close is he to Nick Saban's legacy? Uh, Let's see. He won – he won four national titles as an assistant with Alabama. He's won two national titles back-to-back at Georgia. What do you think, man? Do you think he's got some Nick Saban uh, in him? Or you think he's just been benefiting from Saban kind of on the come down and him being able to take some of those players from him? That That's a very interesting topic. I feel like we can do an entire podcast on that the college football coaching carousel slash world going on right now. But I will say, I think Smart is a fantastic college coach. I don't know if I would trust him in the NFL level or if he went anywhere else. But you asked me about legacy, and in comparison, I can't put anyone above Nick Saban. Um, He's kind of in that Bill Belichick, Tom Brady role for me. and and He's going to be the greatest college coach that I ever witnessed. Uh, I do think he's a top tier coach. I think his play calling is outstanding, whether or not it's, you know, his assistants or whatever, but he he's out there winning and this team believes in him. This team is filled with absolute talent, which shows he's an insane recruiter. He's, he's got that locked down. Uh, I was worried about a drop off there uh, for Georgia heading in the next college football season. Um, so yeah, man, to answer your question, he's definitely up there. I think it's, you know, Nick Saban and then everyone else. But if everyone else starts, I think it has to start with, uh, with smart. Right. So, uh, I think that's interesting. What are you, what is your take? Do you have him above, uh, Nick? I mean, it's hard to put him above Nick just yet because he doesn't have the accolades. He doesn't have the resume to back it up. What I will say is he took over Georgia in 2016. He turned him around really relatively quickly and he's been, able to win back-to-back national titles right i think for me it's not even the fact that he only has two national titles but i think it's it's the fact that he's been able to dismantle and destroy saban and alabama's dynasty on his come up right this is his division he's taking it over his conference it's been yeah nobody's been able to do it you do you do raise a very good point that nobody's been able to do this during the saban 
dynasty run, right? There's been brief stints of the Florida States and the, the Clemsons and but but uh, the LSUs, but it always comes back to Nick Saban and Bama. And we haven't seen the power balance come back and swing in Bama's way. Um, and I think that that's going to be probably the number one storyline heading into this next season, right? Is can Bama get back in the playoff? And are they going to be able to, if they, if they get in, are they going to be able to compete with this Georgia roster, right? And obviously losing pieces uh, with Bennett and everyone, but you, it's definitely going to be very interesting and definitely something I'm most excited for heading into next year. I think the only other piece I would also touch on is, you know, uh, back in 2017, which would have been Coach Kirby Smart's second year, I believe that was the game that Tua Tungabailoa came in and stole the game for Alabama, man. Georgia had that game locked up as well. So, you know, heck of a season, man. He's just, he's really come on. We'll see what he uh, what he does next season and some upcoming years to go. But it does seem like right now college football is in Athens, Georgia. And we'll end on that, man. Hats off to Georgia. Great season. Uh yeah, I really hey, can't hey, say I just anything wanna, else. Uh, not to interrupt you. Uh, no, you're good, man. I just, I just want to, you know, you yes. said it, it resides in uh, in Athens, Georgia. That's fantastic. We're gonna be coming up from Tallahassee, Florida, next season to come take what is ours. The national title is coming back <laughs> to the Florida State Seminoles, baby. You can count on it. We've got the best roster. I, you know, I could rant on this for a while, but I just had to give that little. Uh, little love in i know we had a florida state fan uh, join us yesterday and i didn't get to speak with them but uh, let's go go Knowles always that's fantastic all right you know what man you've been a good sport today handled it well I'll, I'll give you that i'll let you end on that so anywho everyone thanks again for signing off till next time all right good night peace